meeting to order City of University Heights City Council meeting. Today is March 8, 2022. The meeting is being conducted electronically by Zoom. Um, thanks everyone for attending. Uh, all five council are present. Uh, first order of business approval of minutes, uh, February 1st, 8th and March 1st. Uh, we'll try to put them together and see if that works. Uh, are there any additions or corrections to either minutes? Hearing none, the minutes will be approved by unanimous consent. Okay, then we'll go to public input. Um, I see there's a member of the public here. Would anyone like to speak? to the council tonight. Okay. You're, you're our member of the public, so if you don't. <laughs> She's not going off mute, so nope. okay. okay. We'll move on. And, and so- we have, we have another member of the public coming in right now too. Oh, okay. Oh, Sylvia. Soon as she connects, I'll ask her if she would like to speak. Okay. Welcome, Sylvia. We're we're at public input, uh, and no one wants to speak during public input. Would you like to speak during public input? Sylvia, would you like to speak during public input? Uh, did Mike disappear too? Nope, I'm still uh, here. Oh, well, I don't hear that Sylvia wants to speak. I, I, I don't either, so. Okay, we'll move on. She's not on mute, right? She's. Uh, no, I don't see a mute. Okay, so we'll go on to uh, Mayor's report I, and president, yes? I'd like to speak during public input as a private citizen, if I may. Okay, sure. <laughs> Would you state um, your name, Mike? Sure, Mike Havercamp. I, I live at 315 Golf View, and I'm, I'm t getting, stepping away from my role as, as clerk and, and actually just sort of stepping in as a member of the public just to say that I know Josh is here tonight along with Kelly, and, and I just think that supporting... Um, the Iowa City Convention and Visitors Bureau is a thing that we as a city really should be doing with part of our hotel motel money. The things that they do have been of great benefit to the entire area. And I think with our Marriott Hotel, we will certainly be reaping their benefits. So I just wanted to make that statement as a private citizen that I really do think we should be contributing financially to the work that the Convention and Visitors Bureau does. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Would Pat or Sylvia like to speak? Okay, I'll move on to uh, Mayor's report. And uh, as Mike said, there's a presentation and uh, discussion by the Iowa City Coraville Convention and Visitors Bureau. And tonight we have President Josh Schomberger with us and most people in the community know Josh either by face or by name. He's been around a little while 
And uh, I want to welcome Josh and go ahead with your presentation. Well, thank you, Mayor. And uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, that was nice of you to say that and uh, appreciate the, the comments for our work. I have been around a while. I've been around for just short of 21 years. So that is a while. And my hair is almost as gray as Mike's beard. It's getting there pretty, pretty fast. <laughs> Uh, so that does mean I've been around a while. Uh, Nick Kading is also on the Zoom, and he's been my long time, uh, not quite as old as me, but close, 15-year-plus uh, uh, senior VP of finance and admin. And I know I asked him to join us just in case there's any questions as it relates to lodging tax collections and those sorts of things. I know he spent some time with the mayor recently on trying to troubleshoot uh, why University Heights hasn't received lodging tax yet and should have received a check in December. So um, uh, we just got around to noticing that when we were looking at the collections um, the other day to try and uh, model out what, what your collections will be compared to North Liberty, which only has one hotel as well. So I think they're still troubleshooting that and uh, they'll get to the bottom of it here very soon. So in any case, I do have a, a slide deck that I'm gonna go through very quickly. I told Mike earlier to not be too alarmed. Um, so, Mike, will you uh, advance it, or do you want me to just share a screen from my PDF here? Let me uh, unmute. Well, fine. Can you? Can you? Is that okay, Josh? Yeah, I think so. As long as, uh, oh, I'm not able to share. Okay, so I'll just have to have you tell you when to advance to next slide. Sure, that's that's <laughs> okay. fine. You, you can be like an old film strip projector. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> so just a little history of the Iowa City Corollary Convention of Visitors Bureau, and that's really how we're kind of known here in the community and have been for some time, but really anywhere outside of Johnson County, we market ourselves as Think Iowa City. Um, it was longer than last year's. <laughs> so um, the mission of our organization and the Convention of Visitors Bureau is, is quite simply, as you see here on the screen, to advance the economic vitality and quality of life for residents and visitors as Iowa's premier destination. Uh, we were created in 1979 by the Iowa City Area Chamber of Commerce at the time, and that's how most convention and visitors bureaus, or the other acronym that you'll hear, DMO, Destination Marketing Organization, they're one and the same. That's how they were formed. Uh, you know, I, quite, quite simply, we are an economic development organization, and our charge is economic and community development. And for the years and years up, in, up until about the early 80s, Convention and Visitors Bureau were just one de department or hallway of a Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, strategy. And then when cities grew up and passed a hotel motel tax referendum, they branched out on their own and they really kind of focused those, that tax revenue, which is what it was created for to continue the, the promotion and advancement of tourism and short-term economic development in the communities. Uh, that they serve. And so in 1982, lodging tax was passed in Iowa City and Coralville. And they had a handshake agreement actually six months earlier, it failed in Coralville, passed in Iowa City, but neither of them were going to push it forward until they both passed. Uh, they did six months later. And then they got to the business of forming their own 501c6. And the organization that, uh, that I represent here today uh, formally uh, became an organization in fiscal year 84. We're governed by a board of directors of 15, which I'll show you on an upcoming slide. And 
Uh, most recently, uh, we established a, a second organization, a 501c3, so a charitable organization uh, that's known as the Iowa City Area Sports Commission, which you'll see the logo at the top of the screen. And that was established in fiscal year 20. So it's just short of about two years old. Our total operating budget for this year is just short of $2 million, so $1.9 million. 46% of that is derived from lodging tax collections in Iowa City, Coralville, and the single hotel in North Liberty. Uh, and then the balance is either through a program revenue or sponsorship investment. Uh, for those of you that are a little unfamiliar with our organization, that's a photo of our main offices that I'm sitting at here. And we're just off exit 242. Uh, we took this over this office uh, as part of Coralville. Uh, for those of you that are, have been around here a while, we used to be the country kitchen. So this is the old country kitchen site. And, we renovated the interior and then we renovated the exterior about five years later. Uh, so next slide, please, Mike. So just a little uh, better understanding of visitor and tourism expenditures. Uh, you know, this is actually collections from just pre-COVID. So um, in, the, in, the, in those that most recent year before COVID, visitors to Johnson County spent just over $400, $400 million on goods and services. Uh, the tourism here in our county accounts for about 66 million in local payroll and total collections of lodging tax in the entire county, uh, which really only represent Iowa City and Coralville and the one hotel in North Liberty are just short of $4 million uh, a year. And then the stat here that we put on the bottom, for every $1 of hotel motel tax that gets invested, uh, which is about 25% of the total collections. That's the minimum from Iowa City, Coralville and North Liberty. For every $1, we have actually documented business on the books that accounted to uh, a return of about $1,260 a year to the community. And, and that's pretty easy to do when you start to line up the various conferences, meetings, sporting events, uh, Olympic team trials, Jingle Cross, state baseball, all of those things add up substantially and bring significant economic return to this community, its hotels, its restaurants, uh, and other, um, uh, other businesses. Uh, next slide, Mike. Uh, these charts I'm just gonna go through quickly, but just to give you a little perspective of hot hotel motel tax collections over the past 10 years, I, I could go back to its uh, creation if you're interested and, and we can send you that document back to 84. But just since FY11, you can see the red there represents Coralville collections and then the blue represents Iowa City over the past uh, 10, 11 years, with FY21 being obviously a COVID year when we were running, you know, anywhere between 10 and 12% occupancy market-wide for, for quite a while. Uh, next slide represents North Liberty, um, and they're up and down a little bit, not, not quite a steady growth, and a lot of that has to do with really just management and how that particular hotel runs. Uh, you know, it's even though uh, it's a single hotel, it's quite a bit different than University Heights Hotel because, you know, that's a sleep-in and suite. It doesn't have quite the, it's not in the same comp set as a property, you know, that's quite honestly being uh, run and sold by Kelly Murphy. So uh, that, there's a quite, a quite a difference there in terms of sales and, and approach and particularly flag. Uh, next slide, Mike. So here's our board of directors. Uh, and obviously we're here to talk a little bit about University Heights coming into the organization and being an equal partner and representative to Iowa City Coralville North Liberty. And so uh, uh, this, our board is governed by these, these 15, uh, 14, 15 folks. 
Uh, Pete Mathis is our current chair. Uh, he's the senior vice president to uh, Barbara Wilson and uh, vice president of external relations. And then as you can see there, we have an executive committee that actually includes Kelly Murphy, uh, who's our current treasurer. And then the rest of the board, uh, we have three, three hotel seats. Our elected officials are determined by the individual municipalities. Uh, we have an arts and culture seat, a financial seat, a restaurant dining seat, and, and some of those other at-large members. And then there's two ex officio members of the board, myself, and then Roy Sand Porter, who's our liaison to Johnson County Board of Supervisors. Uh, there's not a hotel in Johnson County, so, but it, we do think it's very important to keep that line of communication and partnership open. There's a lot of events that we bring to town that require county assistance and support, things like Jingle Cross and working with secondary roads and things like that. So that helps uh, quite a bit when we have a representative of their their uh, board of supervisors are on our board to liaison to those department heads. Next slide, Mike. And just quickly, our staff, uh, there we have uh, 7.5 people because Donna works part-time uh, that lead kind of all efforts for the organization. In addition to this slideshow that I sent Mike, I also sent copies of our current uh, fiscal year business plan, both from the, the CVB, but then also the sports commission. Uh, that team is led by those two individuals, Luke and Kylie, who, who do a heck of a job. Uh, again, we're about two years old in that particular area. Uh, next slide, Mike. <clears throat> so quickly, our market audience uh, represents, you know, uh, leisure and group. So that would be just leisure and group tourism. We spend a lot of time with travel writers and all those lists that you see come out that name us, you know, the best place for livability or the best place to retire and all those things. We advocate and spend a lot of time positioning our, our community on, to those, uh, those uh, magazines and publications, uh, particularly from a leisure perspective. And the same thing with groups. So we're a little bit more reactive to group these days than proactive. Uh, when I got here in uh, early 2001, group tour was big business. That's, that's basically motor coach business, bus business, 40, 40, 50 person travelers just popping into your community, checking things out and then going to the next community. Uh, that market has, has kind of died off. It's actually literally died off because the baby boomer generation doesn't quite travel in that regard as, as the generations before. And so that, that business is down a little bit, but, so, but we, still, we still service it and, and we're reactive. We spend most of our time in conferences and meetings, special events, and then certainly the sports commission. And then just an equal amount of time in quality of life, you know, focusing on building our community and community development initiatives uh, across uh, the entirety of Johnson County. Next slide. So really, this is the core work of where our focus is, as you'll see in our business plan when you read through it. Uh, for the next three years, we spent a lot of time last year during the COVID year, just kind of uh, you know, rethinking the way our organization looks and our areas of focus going forward. You know, the organization is quite a bit different in 2021 and 2022 than it was in 1984. The world's different. The community's different. You know, even before the internet, we used to be able to get away with saying, hey, if you want to be positioning yourself as a business in front of the visitors, uh, you got to kind of go through us. Well, that doesn't work anymore when you can just pick up your phone and ask Siri where the best sushi is in town. So, you know, we continue to have to pivot and uh, focus where the community needs us most. And we can bring that economic and community development return to, to, uh, to Johnson County. So we have three areas that we really spend a lot of time on. The first is innovative sales and marketing. And so in that area, you know, you just want to think 
Those are conferences, meetings, sports, leisure group travelers, travel riders, and special events. We spend uh, an equal amount of time, a third in authentic placemaking. So this is uh, areas that where we can continue and add our influence, our connections, our networks, um, our expertise here to grow and enhance uh, placemaking uh, opportunities around the entire community. So we spend a lot of time in our river landing, riverfront crossings. Uh, we're about to spend some more time in Centennial Park with North Liberty and a, a lodge project that they have that would be comparable to what you see at Terry Trueblood and really all of our quality of life initiatives. So uh, working on Iowa River, trail development, working with i and single track for Bike Iowa City, those sorts of things. And then the other third is really focused on an intentional community engagement. Uh, that's, that's something that's a little new to us. Uh, we, for the longest time, we didn't really care who got the credit because the people that needed to know the role we played, the councils uh, of Iowa City, Corville and, and North Liberty knew the role we played. But more and more, we realizing opportunities when the community as a whole understands what we do. So we spend a lot more time in festivals and arts and culture, the Project Better Together initiative, uh, the school districts, the parks and rec de departments, just getting those folks to understand the work that we do, the role we play, and having them engage us when they have ideas or projects that can better this community. And then lastly, the, oh, sorry, Mike, the sustainable organization is really our horizontals to our organization. So the first three are really our verticals and our, our initiatives, our efforts. And then Nick here, who's on the, on the Zoom, as I said, really leads the sustainable organization aspects of our plan. So everything DEIA, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, advocacy, development, and our operations HR efforts. Uh, next slide, Mike. So just to, I'm going to go through these very quickly. So Michael, just kind of slow, but just to give you a little idea of what it is that you do. Well, you've heard of a lot of these things that we're going to show on a few slides. We're behind them. Uh, either we're behind them directly because we produce them. We're behind them because we finance them through the, through the tax revenue and the other sources that we create every year programming. Uh, or, or, or we're behind them from a very strong support operational role. So every time RAGBRAI comes to town, the 2012 and 2016 Olympic team trials, uh, those things don't come here if we don't lead the bid, if we don't finance it, if we don't find a way to make a six, $800,000 event happen and cash flow. Uh, so Olympic trials you've heard about, obviously when those things come to Carver, I guarantee you the courtyard's the first hotel sold out. Uh, this is another one that's coming this year. Actually, Courtyard is going to be hosting Team USA. We brought this event to town. We're paying for it. We're on the hook for, I believe it's about 650 grand to pull it off. And uh, it's going to bring the top 12 wrestling nations in the world here, minus most likely Russia, understandably. Um, but the top uh, 12 wrestling nations in the world will be here for about a week wrestling against Team USA. And actually all of Team USA, the men's and women's team and their delegation have already locked up the entire uh, courtyard by Marriott. So they will be staying there. They will be filling that hotel for a week. And then afterwards, Kelly's actually working with the head coach to do uh, another 10 to 14 day stay for about four of the countries to do an extensive training camp. So they would stay another couple of weeks in December um, at the courtyard, which Kelly can speak to December and January and February is terrific rooms business. So next slide, Mike, we'll just roll through these a little bit. This is another big one. Um, obviously, you may have heard a um, little bit of conflict between us and Cedar Rapids, but, you know, business is business. And we had an opportunity and it went out for bid to host the Girl State 
uh, uh, volleyball tournament. So we've locked that in for the next 10 years. And that's going to, you know, as of this November, uh, all the high school girls uh, volleyball teams will be here competing in our community. And I can guarantee you many of them are going to stay with Kelly uh, at the courtyard. We also host the annual Girl State uh, Tennis Tournament. Uh, we've been hosting the unsanctioned Girl State Wrestling Tournament. Mike knows all about this. Uh, we just recently, uh, collectively as a whole state, got that sanctioned. And we will be announcing soon that, um, that we're, uh, we feel really good, I should say, about our chances to be the long-term host for the Girl State Wrestling Tournament, uh, which will take place the first week of February uh, going forward for many years. And then, uh, obviously, we just locked in another deal with Boy State Baseball. Uh, they stayed there, came here last year for the first time. All the teams stayed at Courtyard, and they'll be coming back for at least the next three or four years in, in July. Uh, Jingle Cross, this is an international event known all over the world. Um, I go to Europe once a year to, to solidify the bid on this, uh, to meet with UCI, the governing body for the sport of cycling. That guy on the top podium is probably the, the number one or number two cyclist in the world right now. His name's Wout Van Ert. Uh, he's been here a couple times, won our race. Uh, this is significant. If you go to the next slide, you'll see that we were actually named uh, just a couple years ago the best UCI World Cup race in the world. And it's pretty weird when I go over there because when I go up to accept the bid, you know, they're very formal in the way that they do it. And they announce Belgium and France and Germany and the Netherlands and Denmark and Italy and Czechoslovakia and then Iowa City, Iowa. And most people in the beginning were like, what the heck is Iowa City, Iowa? But now, trust me, they all know Iowa City, Iowa and Johnson County and as evidenced by this trophy which I actually gave and have sitting over in uh, City of Iowa City's office right now. Next slide. Uh, we also spend an enormous amount of time in innovative sales and marketing, our conferences, meetings, amateur, I mean, all sorts of events. The two photos in the middle represent um, a recent FAM tour we did that Kelly and Courtyard were a big part of. That top one, uh, we, there's some weird groups out there. Uh, not weird as far as I'm concerned, but not weird to some of these groups. That is a gentleman who leads the International Beard and Mustache Growers Association. And that is a significant event that happens once a year and brings thousands of people. And Luke there on the right, who's one of our sports people, that's his white whale. And they were coming to Iowa City sometime in the future. And we will have uh, all of these people on Hancher stage um, showing off beard and mustache. Uh, and even women dress up and put on fake beards and mustaches. And, there's a group for everything and we do our best if, if they're willing to meet in Iowa City to come meet here. Uh, next slide, uh, Bike Iowa City. We spend an incredible amount of time and money and resources into promoting this county and community as a bike friendly destination. We're already obviously known all over the world for cyclocross, we're known all over the state for Ragbri, and we're spending a lot more time promoting it to just leisure weekend travel. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were speaking in front of the County Board of Supervisors to make sure that they don't quite abandon a B road because it's a popular gravel B road uh, form of transportation. And so we'll continue to advocate and promote this area as, uh, as a cycling destination. Those are the visitors we want. A lot of expenditures, uh, disposable income. Uh, they can pay uh, strong ADR rates at places like Courtyard Hyatt and others. And then just some placemaking, obviously a lot of time in Iowa River Landing, you know all this, I'm happy to answer questions at the end, uh, from arena to just dining development, all sorts of things there. On the next slide, I believe, is the uh, Riverfront Crossings District, 
Terry Trueblood area, spent a lot of time. I was on the original um, uh, effort to create the SMID, Self-Supported Municipal Improvement District, which is now known as the Iowa City Downtown District. Recently, um, that they added a second SMID in Iowa City, the South District SMID, uh, over by Pepperwood area. Uh, so we help them as often. I mean, they're, they're basically one and the same with us. In a lot of areas, they, they do the same kind of work, but they're just isolated to downtown. And uh, we spent a lot of time with things, arts and culture, film scene. Our organization helped uh, them with a state grant that got them just short of a half million dollars last year. Same for uh, Johnson County Historical Society. Next slide, Mike. You've heard a lot about Better Together and Project Better Together. Probably I can go and spend an hour just talking about this and us coming together and learning all sorts of new things that I never thought I'd be putting on my resume, uh, but I have uh, as it relates to serving our community when they needed it most over uh, COVID and, uh, and some of these other areas that, uh, that we've been needing. And then there's other things we get really involved in. Uh, you know, the light rail feasibility study, we spent a lot of time on the Crandic uh, line between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City and, and future opp opportunities there, particularly between the airport itself, uh, going through North Liberty for transportation or rail to trail initiatives and all those sorts of things. Next slide as well. I, for seven years, I was appointed the very first ever commissioner of Johnson County on the Eastern Iowa Airport. And that's tremendous opportunity. And we need to have representation from Johnson County on there. Uh, we're, we're the number one user of the of the airport, the University of Iowa is. And so uh, I was the, the first commissioner there for seven years. And then I handed it off to Steve West, who now very ably represents our community on the Eastern Iowa Airport. And those things are really, really important when you're talking about bidding and you're bringing people from all over the world for events. And then lastly, just some of the community engagement. Um, you know, way back in the day, I was, I was the person that put together the Summer of the Arts organization, uh, and we continue to support and advocate for all of these festivals and special events in town. Uh, next slide, we can go through these a little rolling, Mike. Foodie Feb uh, was a big initiative we just wrapped up. Actually, um, Maggie's and Stella and Bistro were all part of it and benefited from the Foodie Feb initiatives that were all through February. You've heard of FryFest, we created it. We created it really to turn a non-conference football weekend into a conference-like football weekend for hotel occupancies. It's worked well. Spend a lot of time with North Liberty, Beat the Bitter, Blues and Barbecue supporters, sponsors. Spent this whole morning, uh, some of our staff going and helping them tear down the lights for the Beat the Bitter uh, as they wrap that up. Some of these other initiatives, Grand Gable, we created the Run Crandic Marathon, which is coming back this year and gonna end in, uh, in Iowa City again, between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City, just good local community engagement efforts. Uh, we created the original one book, two book children's literary festival with the UNESCO City of Literature. I was the, uh, on the board there when we hired John Kenyon and uh, Nick, Nick Kading's actually representing us on that board now, very important to the community. A lot of these other things we can roll through. Burfest, you've heard of. Uh, we get involved in those sorts of things. Northside Oktoberfest. Berkey Arm Parade, that's our baby. We did that in 04. I swore I'd never do it again. We did it in 14. I swore we'll never really do it again. And now we're talking about doing it again in 2024. So I'm sure it'll be back every 10 years. So lastly, uh, you know, how this works with University Heights. And we'll go to this next slide and then I'm take a drink of water here and then open it up to questions. But you know, really, obviously, we'd love to have University Heights come in and be a partner. And to be a partner, it's, it just requires, you know, it's going to require equal representation to other municipalities that we serve, which is Iowa City, Coralville, and North Liberty. 
similar to what we did with Sleepin' and Suites in 2010 with North Liberty, uh, University Heights started a single hotel. You know, our CVB was created, supported, and continues to be directed by visitor tax collections. Uh, Iowa City, Coralville, and North Liberty all are equally represented on our board and investment at a minimum of 25%. Coralville actually gives a little bit more than that uh, in, the, in the building and some things, but uh, there's, a, there's a threshold there at 25%. And then as I mentioned, Johnson County seat is ex officio. So, you know, as, as this board continues to move forward, we have, uh, you know, a lot of support that we can continue to provide Kelly and Greg and Jim and that entire team at the courtyard, which uh, we know very well, we know them very well. Uh, you know, um, we would welcome your uh, review, your participation, and if there's interest in University Heights coming on board and being part of our organization, I'd, I'd welcome the opportunity to take that to our board for a more formalized uh, vote, and um, I'm sure that will be approved uh, unanimously as it was with North Liberty when we did this in 2009. Uh, and lastly, I'll just say, you know, the city has already been receiving significant benefits from our efforts. Uh, the hotel is, uh, there's a lot of business on the books. Kelly can attest to that from us. And there's a lot of business that's coming from us, whether it be through the boys union, the girls union, UWW, USAW, they're being impacted by strong ADR when we have compression. You know, they may not have a, an event that is specific to something in downtown Iowa City. They may not have rooms, but when Iowa City fills up or Coralville fills up, Kelly can fill you in on a compression lesson and what that does to their ADR uh, when less occupancy is available in the market, how they're able to bump up their rates, which means stronger lodging tax uh, revenue. Uh, our star data, Project Better Together efforts like the uh, Holding Our Own campaign, and then the familiarization tour as we continue. Obviously, we showed some photos. There's a varsity cheer dance thing that's going to happen at Carver, probably Kinnick. We're close to landing. Uh, again, anything that we book over there, uh, there shouldn't be a surprise. They're going to want to look at filling that hotel first. And then, you know, as it relates to community, you can call Jerry Zimmerman or Carolyn Brown and Maggie's and some of those teams and learn a little bit about foodie fab efforts. Or we created a new program in November called Shop Joko, which is a community gift card to where we have 175 businesses signed up and businesses can buy a gift card to the community. And it has to be spent in the community. It's a very unique program. It can't, somebody can't get a gift card. It doesn't have a MasterCard or Visa logo on it that you can go buy something on Amazon and, and impact our community. And, and obviously Maggie's and um, Coffee Shop and Bistro are all, are all part of um, that program. So with that, I'll take a breath. I tried to go just as fast as I could and I'll be happy to answer any questions, Mayor. Okay, thank you, Josh. Does council or staff have any questions? I got a, a question. Um, I was just, and, well, and Josh, um, I'm trying to think through, um, I think what you guys do is just absolutely incredible. It seems like I can't imagine the amount of effort that goes into bringing all of that to the community. Help me understand, um, you know, so let's say we give, I feel like University Heights is in such a unique place because we're such a small community and and the opportunities for, you know, revenue growth or revenue potential whatever are so small. We have such a small number of businesses. Um, help me understand, I guess, the idea of, 
you know, let's say we, we get 25% of our automoto tax revenue and I don't anticipate like it needing to be a one-to-one kind of return thing, but how much, um, I guess, what would university heights, like, what would you anticipate we would see, you know, what's going to happen in university heights because of that? It's kind of a weird, uh, you know what I mean? It's kind of a weird situation because we're so small. There's not like, there's not a lot of opportunity and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm not understanding or not seeing the opportunity that is there that we can create and which I would be excited about doing. Well, the, the easiest way to answer that question, uh, Bobby, is that I, I feel pretty confidently, and, and I think we can check this thing here, but I feel pretty confidently that every dollar that University Heights gives us, uh, you're going to get that back in just hotel motel tax collections alone from the business that we bring to that hotel. And Kelly can probably read into that a little bit further. It's different than North Liberty. Uh, just because of the nature of your property, its location, and uh, the type of business that we're bringing here. The folks from the UWW World Cup that are gonna, and I just keep going to that because it's close to us. And, what's, and actually the world team trials we just announced two days ago are coming here in May. They're gonna book there. Um, those people are gonna stay at the courtyard by Marriott uh, 10 out of 10 times before they might stay at the sleep in and suites in North Liberty. And so when you just look at the rooms business that will come, um, you know, I'm very confident that you'll re you'll receive that back just in lodging taxes from the rooms we get there. And if we, if if let's just say University Heights doesn't participate, uh, which is a, I anticipate that question, like what does that look like? Sure. And what that looks like is is because Iowa City Coralville and the nature of our organization, you know, we would sell against the hotel, which is what Kelly doesn't want or Greg doesn't want. And so when those businesses come to town. Uh, UWW, USAW, I, state baseball, all those things, because we're paying for all those events, we would require that they, it's coming from those, those taxes in Iowa City, Corbin, North Liberty. And so those entities have to stay in one of those three municipalities. They yeah. would, otherwise they would have to pay more or we would pay less if they stayed at the courtyard, uh, just by the nature of where we get our funds. Like for, for UWW, we're probably going to have to come out and spend I would say $100,000 in lodging tax collections to make that work. That's 650, the rest will come from sponsors and tickets and things like that. So there's, there's, a, there's an expected return for that 100,000. Mm -hmm. Your point is taken. I mean, when you look at the size of North Liberty, I mean, versus University Heights, um, they're in a little bit of the same boat. Uh, they're probably actually in a less boat because the people that were, 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 were University, North Liberty is contributing just for, us to promote Centennial Park and be a partner in all these other things more so than the return they're getting at the sleep in and suites. It's a little bit reverse with your hotel and the business that's coming. So, so if I'm, that's awesome. That's great to hear. I love, I love that. So basically if I'm understanding what you're saying, like what you're saying is there's enough vacancy at that hotel down the hill or will be, you know, in a normal year, everything outside of COVID, there's enough vacancy outside of just, you know, hospital traffic, the people who'll be staying there, outside of, um, you know, football games, basketball games, all that. There's enough vacancy that you guys, you guys feel strongly that you generate enough hotel sales and whatever to more than make up, right? I mean, because that's ultimately- I think the, the room, the, 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 the induce of rooms that we will bring to that hotel, mm -hmm. I think will come, I mean, I, I'd have to run the numbers. Nick and I will run it and, and work with Kelly sure. on that. But 
I think it'll be it'll get be pretty dang close be, just because of the unique nature of your property, its location to a lot of these events we bring into town. Yeah. You know, yeah. their hotel's running right now. You know, I would say since they opened, uh, they're probably running 60 to 65% occupancy on average since they opened. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, there's definitely, um, that's probably, that's better than CompSet, again, because they've got somebody like Kelly running sales. But the market is still just now coming back. We had our very first meeting site tour since COVID started this past Friday. The very first time actually a meeting planner and a group came to town to look at planning a convention. Uh, the other markets are, have come back faster, like sports and things. Well, that's good. That's helpful. Helpful information. And, um, this is Kelly Murphy. I'll just chime in on a couple of things um, for your questions, sir. Bobby is... Um, as Josh mentioned earlier, we've been the beneficiary. You know, I started with the hotel less than a month prior to opening, and one of the very first things I did was um, contact Josh and and share with him um, all the exciting things that were happening around this project. And they have been, um, you know, setting acting as a partner since day one um, without any of the return on this. And as a couple of examples, you know, last year with state baseball tournament. I housed all of the, um, the unions, you know, their staff members and things of that sort. I would not have gotten that business had we not already been a partner with Josh and his team. Um, he talks about, you know, UWW, all these wrestling events and um, state baseball again this year. Just that partnership alone is bringing business into our doors that, you know, may, we would or wouldn't. Um, perhaps sell out in those particular instances. Our location, as all of you are aware, uh, makes us very unique. Um, it's to our benefit for a lot of things, but it's also a challenge because we are not in the hotel, you know, we're not downtown Iowa City, we're not near the arena in Corville, we're not out near Coral Ridge Mall where all the other hotels are. So outside of university events, um, I've got to work my tail off to bring other business, bring in base business, whether it be group, leisure, what have you, corporate business into that hotel to try and hit our 100% occupancy. And if I don't have the partnership with Josh um, to do that, it's going to cost us more. It's going to cost us um, in the long run. And to make it really simple, one of my favorite, you know, analogies is, do you want, do you want to keep 75% of a grape or do you want to keep um, you know, 25% of a watermelon. That's how you've kind of got to look at it. The ROI is absolutely there from a hotel occupancy standpoint, from an event standpoint on the banquet side. Um, Josh and the CVB have already had several events at our hotel or, um, you know, other affiliations within um, with the CVB have had events at our hotel because of our partnership with the CVB already. Um, they're absolutely, a, you know, an extension, an arm of our hotel um, for all sales and marketing efforts of bringing business outside of Iowa City to Iowa City to drive occupancy and ADR. Um, and we've already, you know, we, I've in previous roles, I've opened several hotels, um, and this by far has been the one that has ramped up the quickest. Generally speaking, when you have a hotel, a new hotel that's open you're lucky to hit a 40% occupancy for year one. 
we've already hit, you know, we hit that even, even if you take out the, you know, six months back, even if you go to what, you know, our nine months back or what have you hitting that 60 and 65 occupant percent occupancy is huge. And I do attribute that to the relationships that I've got with Josh and his team and the business that we've been able to get in the, in the door. Um, yeah, that's great. No, that's, yeah. that's very helpful. It's, it's helpful to have all that information yeah. to think through it. That's good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I laugh because a lot of people not in the hotel industry or even hospitality for that, for that matter, you know, they think that we're making ha money hand over fist on, on six or seven football weekends a year. And yeah, we, I don't need help on football weekends, but there's 300 other nights that I have 140 rooms to sell and 12,000 square feet of banquet space. So filling during those non-peak times when um, we have to proactively go pull business to our hotel that you know are, isn't familiar with the university, have no connection with the university, that's, you know, that's the number one goal for me is pulling in business outside of football weekends or other weekends, even, you know, state baseball and um, some of these other events. You know, I've got to go find that business and get it into my hotel. So I hope I hope that helps um, answer some questions or um, kind of get get um, our perspective of it. Absolutely. Are there any other questions for Kelly or Josh or Nick? I will just add. I think we Nick and I were talking after you guys spoke, Mayor, and I think we believe what happened with the state. And again, we, we didn't even notice or pay much attention to this. So we looked the other day, but we believe what happened is the state returns lodging taxes to the collecting zip codes. And you're in Iowa city zip code. And that's unique uh, probably to the state and lodging tax collections. And we believe your money was sent to Iowa city. <laughs> so and I think, Nick, are you going to have to get on with that state uh, and figure out where they I, sent your checks? I, I have a contact, and I've got the correct okay. contact, thanks to the League of Cities and Nick's help. Uh, okay. uh, I'm in contact with them, and, and so I'm going to get this fixed. Yeah, so we can help with that, I think. If we Thank you. Jeff and that team, what yeah. happened? And the hotel has helped me, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, the staff there, too. So... Uh, we're getting we're getting to to get the answers here shortly, and so um, between uh, what's what what do you do next steps? I mean, this is an introduction and discussion. What are next steps, Josh? Yeah, I, I think at the I think the council, you know, obviously you all need to determine whether or not um, you'd like to come on board and be a partner to us, and if you do, well then. I just need somebody needs to let me know, and that'd be great. And and then we'll we'll bring it to our board uh, for a formal vote, uh, and we'll modify our bylaws and basically do what we did in 2009. The board will approve the bylaw change. You know, we meet monthly, um, and then somebody from your board, whether it's you or an appointed representative here, maybe Bobby, since he had the first couple questions, or whoever. Uh, would need to be a representative on our board and and kind of represent University Heights in the same way that um, uh, Mayor Hotwell, actually Rakisha, uh, Mayor Teague, and Mitch Gross do for the three municipalities. And so, and then we'd, you know, you, you'd basically, um, you know, have an equal vote to, to those three municipalities and 
we would just continue to operate the same way we have uh, since uh, since the hotel opened uh, in June last year. Real quick before you move, what's the what are the asks? Like if you could say, here's your ideal commitment and here's like, a, are there any different tiers? Or are you just saying, was it just 25% of the hotel motel revenue and that'd be equal commitment? That's exactly what the what the University Heights would have to contribute is to match Iowa City, Coralville, and North Liberty. Very good. Uh, is the council ready to give a verbal of whether they want to take some steps forward or not take steps forward at this point and, and uh, study it a little more and go through the process? I should, should say that, it, you know, I think it would be, it's going to take, if the council wanted to move forward, it's going to take a period of time. You know, we'd, we'd probably bring right. it to our board in March. Uh, we'd submit bylaw changes in March. Those would have to sit for 30 days. So it'd probably be April well, before there'd be a formal right. vote. Then right, then, I'm not asking for formal. I just wanna know if they're interested in entertaining this idea. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I, from my perspective, I can't speak for the other four, but I'm I'm interested. I guess I'm I'm open to uh, hearing more information. Um, I'd like to know you know what we're looking at dollar wise, and and uh, you know who needs who here. Do do we need them or do they need us? I mean, I, I want to make sure we're uh, using our money wisely. Okay. Uh, Stephanie, did you want to speak? Uh, I think it sounds like a no-brainer. Um, I think I'm definitely on board for finding out some more information about it and looking forward to moving forward. Okay, then Tim, I see you next. Would you want to comment? Yeah, it sounded like Josh, you and Nick were going to run some numbers and it, at one point you indicated that. It, is that something that we can look at? But it certainly yeah. seems of interest. Okay, Lisa, are you interested? Yes, I am. Okay, this is just, you know, council wants to uh, move forward, get numbers, get more information. And uh, is that what you need for now, Josh? Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I was going, I, I misunderstood. I was just saying the timeline before University Heights could probably, um, really join would probably be the start of next fiscal year if we wanted to just so um as far as your collections to date um you know if university wanted to come on board i would say you'd want to we should we should collectively target um july one and then that way this whole fiscal year you know we'll just continue to be support and champion but we won't start collections or our 25 percent until the start of next fiscal year Okay. Um, that makes sense to the budget yeah. people. And <laughs> Does it make sense to our city attorney also? Oh, you're muted. Thanks. Yeah, it, it certainly does. 25% uh, we're talking about, I gave you a breakdown of the way the, um, the uh, ballot measure was approved by voters in 2017. So, I just just so we're clear at some point, uh, I, I assume when 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 Mr. Schomburg is talking about 25 percent, it's 25 percent of the gross collection, which, you know, when we put that into my my calculation to the council or my uh, 
apportionment for the council, you know, that'd be kind of half, uh, half of the 50% that, that's, that's um, earmarked for tourism. Uh, that's, that's what I'm hearing. I guess at some point I, we might want to clarify that, but, but it's certainly the council's prerogative. Okay. Um, so Josh, they're just take councils, just considering steps forward with this and continuing the discussion. And so you're going to talk to your, I, you know, I'm just, you know, council's not formally agreeing Committing. to this. At this yeah. Time. Well, well, we'll, um, we'll, uh, sorry, I'm kind of stuttering here, but yeah, well, I'll get with Steve cool. And we'll basically figure out what it would look like with the budget. And then, I don't know, do we need to, I guess, formally, Steve and Luis, what's the next step? So if we all, do we need to have a discussion and agree to it? Or is it just something that happens normally in the budget? Like very practically, how does this have, have to happen if we say, yeah, we want to proceed? Um, it's not in the proposed budget at all for next year, but we can easily amend the budget to um, it, pick it's, up that, It's not in there as a line item. Yeah, it's not in there as a line item. It's in there as a, uh, we have we have all the, we have an offsetting expense for every dollar that is coming in, if I'm not mistaken. But, but so we'd have to amend that is what I hear you saying. Uh, yeah, we'd have to um, just amend the budget for the 25% that mm -hmm. the city would pay to the CBB. Uh, the other, the items in the budget, they are, they've already been uh, earmarked uh, for possible use. Um, I think Steve Ballard's going to cover that a little bit because we had a resolution last year how we wanted to target some of that, um, some of the money, you know, to cover some of the arterial street repairs, um, snow removal. Um, we also have the... Uh, Swisher bond that uh, a portion of that is actually uh, the debt service is actually funded by hotel motel tax. So, yeah, you know, you're, it's a little bit unique situation there for University Heights on the lodging tax and your revenue compared to budget versus some of these other cities. So, I understand, and I'll just say I appreciate that. I, I know uh, it's, it's a little different. I mentioned so, that to Kelly and Greg. <laughs> so could you review, you're going to go back to your board and say University Heights is not committed, but they're interested in hearing more information. And, and then the, a formal vote would have to happen in June. No, we have I, one meeting a month. Yeah, I, I just think uh, it's going to take... Um, Let's just say it's going to take 60 days uh, from the time you say, hey, University Heights wants to be part of your organization to the point that I could get approval from our board and the bylaws changed. Roughly 60 days, depending on where the, that call comes in at. Um, so we have an April 12th. Throw it out that July 1 as a possible start date if, if um, I see. Makes sense. So 60 but, days. So our next meeting is April 12th. Our next regular city council meeting is April 12th, unless we have a special meeting. And so are you saying like 60 days from that? I mean, I just wanna get a timeline of 
you, you're going to come back to the meeting next month or? I certainly can. I mean, I, I'm, it's, I'm just saying it's 60 days from when you say go. At the end of the day, you and the council here need to determine if, if this is a, a good investment and, and, it's, and it's a good partnership. Um, to Doug's okay. comment there, whether you need me more than I need you or what, however that was put, I, I mean, you guys just need to have that discussion. So, um, but at the end of the day, we've been promoting Corey Kelly and I've been doing all this uh, recognizing that you're working through some things and that hotel is getting up and running. So I, at some point, I'm going to have to go back to my, ho my board and those municipalities and say, hey, here's the deadline I gave them, July 1. And either they're going to start participating and contributing at that point, or we're going to not, we're going to stop promoting and partnering with Courtyard at that point. And that's really okay. you know, what I'll have to think through, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Josh. You bet, Mayor. And Thanks Nick, Nick Kading, too. I've known Nick since he was a little kid. And look at where you are now, Nick. Vice President. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Louise. I'm sorry I don't have my video on. I'm trying to pull triple duty tonight. I had basketball practice, getting the kids in the back. But I will say... Speaking on behalf of our entire staff, I think we would be very, very privileged and honored to be able to work with, with this council and with you know, City University Heights. I think there's a lot we could do to collaborate together. So we certainly hope we can move forward. And I will say too that Mr. Haverkamp is on this is on this call. And 20 years ago when Josh was starting, I was probably a student in Mr. Haverkamp's ELP class <laughs> at Corville Central Element Elementary School. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, was, I was I was actually one of first Nick one of Nick's first coaches in the chess club. <laughs> I can't confirm. <laughs> Thank you. Nick, Nick Thank didn't you like much. to lose at anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a competitive family. <laughs> His mom's great mom too. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. And Kelly, you can stay or you can Oh, did Troy want to say something? You raised, no, he's waving goodbye. You know, they're bicyclists together, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks again. Okay. Um, so, um, well, I wanted to say that in April, I want to have a discussion with council on the American Relief Plan Act. It's known as ARPA. And uh, University Heights is, uh, is going to receive about 152, 153,000. You know, Johnson County got just short of 30 million. Iowa City got around 18 million. It's based on population. And um, I wanna have a discussion of what we should use uh, the funding for. And Bobby and I have been looking into this uh, We've met earlier before this new council met with Nick Herbold, and I want to talk about that starting in April. And uh, the other thing is uh, uh, Mike and Lisa and Stephanie and I have been working on dates, and we'll announce them later of some spring dates and activities that are coming. 
And let's see, uh, we'll go on to the next thing is legal report. Steve, did you want to add anything to your legal report? You gave all that information about um, the hotel motel tax. No, I think that's everything unless anyone has questions. Okay, let's, let's keep uh, moving down city clerk report. You, you moved your report, uh, you wrote a report up for the council. And um, uh, is there anything to add, Mike? No, I'd take any okay. questions, but. Okay, I wanna get to, um, I'm gonna come back to the treasurer's report and I wanna get to the finance report because Steve Cool is on this uh, call and um, Bobby and Steve are, do you have anything to talk about with the general budget update? Otherwise we'll move to the streets projects. I, I didn't have anything to add um, to what we discussed last week. Um, the um, publication for the public hearing two weeks from tonight uh, has been sent to the PC uh, and I believe it's supposed to be published Thursday. Is that right, Mike? Yes, we, we confirmed with them and they have a Thursday publication date. So that yeah. falls within the legal parameters. Yeah, okay. So the uh, publication, the amounts in the publication will be um, the numbers that we discussed last week. Um, I did mention that once this is published, what we decide, what we formally approve two weeks from tonight, uh, those final amounts in all the categories cannot be increased, but we can decrease them. So um, the main item just to go over tonight would be uh, the street projects, which ones we wanna take out of the plan and take it from there. Okay. Um, do you want to add anything, Bobby? Or we'll move to streets. Yeah, I don't think so. People okay. Going. Thank you. I want to go to streets projects uh, with Josiah. Josiah, you sent around uh, uh, details of the street projects. Uh, and then you uh, highlighted uh, can you talk about the highlighted ones, what you meant by that? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, that's basically a follow-up to the discussion we had uh, a week ago uh, during some of the questions and answers on those projects and basically which ones are maybe more, more in need of repair sooner than later and um, also with an eye to, you know, considering how much money might be available. So I did talk about these last week, so I resent this and highlighted them. Um, the ones I would suggest is uh, number one there, the intersection work at Oakrest to Mahaska. Um, if you wanna scroll down, Mike, I'll just hit these first. Um, arterial bus stop landings, I talked about that, uh, providing ADA compliant uh, landings, paved landings at bus stops. Currently the bus stops 
people get dropped off uh, either in the street or on the grass, um, which has worked fine, obviously, maybe not for everybody, but it gets a little more difficult when the weather's bad. Um, so that was a sort of a sidewalk slash transit project, uh, fairly low cost that would be um, impactful. And then the one I talked about last week and added here is that number 14 Melrose Avenue West. And that has to do with work that uh, we think is going to happen this summer on Melrose Avenue in front of uh, where the old athletic club was related to the Finkbine development. And as I explained there uh, and wrote a bit here, there could be some work that we need to have done at the same time while there's a contractor there and it's going to be uh, much to the city's benefit to be able to do some of that additional work while the roads has traffic control and a contractor right there. So that's what that one is. Um, then 11 and 12, we have generally always had a small pot of money for arterial and local street repairs to use as needed. And typically that happens in the, in the spring. So those are the, those are the projects um, that we talked about last week and I've got highlighted here. Where, where's the one with the Melrose streetscape? Did I miss that? The 80,000. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, scroll up, Mike. Um, so everything I have highlighted there is actual construction street projects, repairs and replacements. Um, oh, okay. yeah. Go down a little bit. I think it's number five. Right. So the heading on that is actually a design project. And um, as I wrote in my report and we talked a little bit, that is to get that project off the ground for the Melrose Avenue Complete Streets project. Um, there is about a two year lead time from the day we get started to the day they start construction due to the Quite a, you know, due to the design, a lot of the design work, uh, a big imp, a big part of that's going to be the utility relocations and, and moving underground. Um, that's going to take a lot of coordination and uh, design work, and then time just for them to get that done. The utility companies are going to need a year before construction starts, uh, so that they can they can do their construction to get out of the way. And then the third part of that is. Um, easement and acquisition needs that are going to be needed to accommodate the construction and the utility relocations. Um, that's going to need a, a lead time to get that all identified and negotiated and uh, completed. So that that is a design project. And I, I added some information for the council um, in my report on the timeline of that related to when you when you got the funding and what your obligations are, when to use it. Uh, and I think the summary of that is you, you'll need to get started on the design of that project uh, at least by sort of 24, 25. So what I'm showing here is to get started now to start construction in 24, 25. Does council want to comment on these? Doug, do you want to comment on them? Uh, Josiah and I have kind of looked at that over and uh, like I say there there's a lot of prep work that goes into that so it's it's it is a big uh, down the road event and uh, I do agree that we do need to 
get this going as soon as we can because I'm sure costs are only going to go up before they'll ever go down. Um, so I, I kind of urge everybody to kind of get on board and, and let's get that Melrose uh, started, I think. So, um, Louise, are you asking the council to weigh in on which ones we want to kind of choose for the budget? Well, Is that right? Yeah, I, mean, I wanted your comment on that. And, uh, well, as we talked about, Bobby, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you're going to take this, uh, we're still going to bond these projects with mm -hmm. uh, Spear Financial. And... Yeah, we yeah. All the, about all having the options. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll talk, and then you tell me if I talked about the right thing. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, so all the projects listed here, you know, we've got bonding for in the budget. So, with the exception of maybe a couple of the a couple of the smaller ones, we've got built in using some of the hotel motel tax money to to pay for those, but. Um, we put them all in the budget knowing that we wouldn't do them all. Uh, and so I think we kind of need to talk through and whittle some of them down um, to figure out which ones um, we want to actually bond for. And that process is, yeah, talk to Spear Financial or whoever it ends up being. And, and they'll kind of walk us through that process of how we do that and, and how we pay for it and, and all that. So um, Perfect. I guess that's my comment on the finances part, but on the projects themselves, um, Josiah, I'm wondering, you know, if some of the ones, you know, that uh, the Melrose Avenue West, number 14, um, uh, maybe that was the only one. I don't know. Are there any of them that you feel like, okay, if, if we go through and spend the money now to do that, we're kind of going to, we're just, I don't want to say wasting money, but it'd be better if we just waited until that Melrose project was done or is that, I don't yeah. want to spend the money twice. You yeah. Know. No, I understand your question. Uh, if you look at that sheet again, um, number nine is a sidewalk. Oh yeah. Crossing one on Melrose. That would make sense to not do since the Melrose, it, it would make sense to coordinate that with the Melrose streetscape mm -hmm. yeah. project. Yeah, that one. Uh, number seven and eight before it are sidewalk curb ramp projects. Um, those would probably make sense if you're going to wait to wait until mm -hmm. the sunset panel replacement work is being done. Uh, that was the other project that has federal funding in a couple of years. And to roll that into that. So I think, uh, yeah, seven, eight, and nine were ones that would probably go, would fit well within other projects. Mm -hmm. So, so definitely you're recommending number one, Oak Crest and Mahaska. Number six, that's, those are all along Melrose as well. Correct. Do those, do we need to do those? I mean, it's only $13,000. It's a smaller thing, but I don't know. I think, I think those would be fairly easy to do. Some of them are west of Sunset or in, our locations on Melrose that won't be touched by the curb changes on the complete mm -hmm. streets project. So it's okay. uh, may maybe two of them will get redone, redone. But again, it's only like a couple of sidewalk okay. panels. Um, and depending on okay. how long it takes for that to happen, um, there'll be a benefit with it. Okay. 
Does anybody have any comments about the projects other than Doug or Bobby? Oh, I guess the other one, sorry, I'm yeah. gonna keep talking Go here. Ahead. The Coser Avenue project number three. At one point we had, we had talked about, um, I don't know if it was a huge demo and replacement thing when we were redoing the elevations for all the surrounding things. Is this project that you have laid out here, mill and overlay, the road is that is that this is not that total renovation project or is it you're talking about item number three yeah Coser avenue yeah no this is a this is not that i think yeah. originally a couple of years ago we looked at like a full replacement similar to olive court mm -hmm. and then um mm -hmm. refined it down to something less intrusive so that we'd have mm -hmm. minimal mm -hmm. impact on trees out there instead yeah. of instead of tearing the whole thing up uh proceeding with the Got mill it. and overlay with with just a curb on the south side curb on the south side got it josiah is the work associated with number 14 just related to any work that needs to be done uh, to accommodate the james um no it, it it's more there's than that. There's some amount of work that's going to be required in the street to accommodate the James development and what they need mm -hmm. to do. Um, the, there, there are things. There are things that. that may not, you know, technically be like they wouldn't have to do it, but they're right there and it's touching the work. And mm -hmm. we have a lot of uh, poor condition panels and things in that area and sidewalks. So. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not work that would be reimagined through the item number five, the design project? Correct, yeah, because that, that number five would be uh, east of Sunset and this would all okay. be west of Sunset. Gotcha. Yeah. Would anyone else like to speak or, you know, continue speaking or uh, we can keep these on the list. We can uh, include them with the uh, bonding that we have to do for Olive Court and uh, Golf View and see what the number comes out and then, you know, on costs and, uh, you know, no decision has to be made exactly tonight, but uh, we do need to it would be nice for Josiah to do some planning on some things, you know. Uh, but um, Louis, can, can I ask, as, as a council, yes. can I, you're, you're someone who knows the city pretty intimately too. Can I ask for your opinion on what, on these projects? Which ones do you think would be a priority? Yes. Thank you for asking me. I'd uh, like to do, uh, I'd like to do everything we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And, but I think Joe, uh, follow Josiah's lead. I would like to start the Melrose Avenue streetscape project, the 80,000 with the engineering and get going on that. And then of course that includes the pedestrian thing and we'll get going on that. And we'll be able to use hotel motel tax on that because it's a, a arterial as well as the West. 
And I think uh, with the help of Spear, they'll explain some of that and work through that. And then on sunset, just like Josiah said, I'd like to, the sunset project, I'd like to do the ADA landings with the sunset panel replacement a few years down the road. And, but I would like to do the landings because gas prices, I think more people are gonna be riding buses. And I think it's a good way for people to travel besides cars. And in our community, a lot of people bike and uh, I think more people be riding buses. So I think that's a good, uh, good of the 13,000 to do that. That's been on our list for a couple of years. And so I'd kind of like to give Spear Financial some options. Let's do everything he's highlighted, plus the 80,000 for the Melrose Avenue, and then say, can we add, possibly give us, that's option one, and then option two, all of that, plus Coser Avenue, uh, because there's a lot of issues there. Doug and I were talking about the issues with water drainage with the street being higher, lower, you know, that type of thing. So I, I think that's well needed. And then add, if we can add Highland to a C option, you know, and see which option we can do as we go down. But I think we definitely have to do the highlighted ones plus the 80,000 for the streetscape. Did I make my, I don't know, does that make That's sense? Great. To That's very helpful, yep. Thank you, that's awesome. Yeah. In the uh, intersection there to Mahaska and uh, Oakcrest there, that, that's getting pretty bad. I walk by there every morning and it's, uh, this winter was especially hard on it. So that's really uh, delaminating and coming loose. And uh, again, at the top of the hill, on the highland there, it uh, has always been a, a ponding problem. The water's running north instead of south. And uh, that, that's something that, you know, it's gonna take a little bit of doing, but I think Josiah and I looked at that last year and kind of put that toward the top of the pile. But uh, as far as immediate repairs go and work goes, those those are kind of two of the bigger ones, but uh, yeah, definitely the, the ones that Louise highlighted as well. So. I, I don't know how we're going to have our cake and eat it too, but uh, like I say, those two down here on the south end here are getting pretty pretty rough. Yeah, thanks. So I think we ought to take those to Spear Financial and we can look at the options, but we'll definitely do the highlighted ones plus the Melrose if, if you all, it seems like council is agreeing to that and then we'll see what we can add or if there's anything we can add at this time. So the options. So we'll have uh, three options. Yeah, I think we'll have three options. Okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, of course there'll be always more streets that need to be added and worked on. And, you know, there's other areas too. But Doug and Josiah go through the city and do a good job of evaluating what needs to be on the list. So if that's okay, I mean, that gives you enough direction, right, Josiah? 
Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, know. we're still, you know, everything's on the budget right now. And as we go into April yeah. and we get into uh, hearing from Spear Financial, we'll, we'll look at some more options if possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, we would have an, plenty of time uh, okay. to, to get things figured out pending the outcome of what you all decide. Okay, great. Um, is there anything else with that? Uh, Doug, did you want to say anything else? I think that covers it. Yeah, um, I'd say this last snowstorm, we, we had a few folks that uh, didn't quite get their sidewalks, but uh, officer, I'm sorry, uh, Chief Kelsey has already went around and gave them all uh, little reminders, but I think here the next day or two when the sun comes out, it's probably all going to be hopefully a history in our minds. So uh, other than that, uh, I've got my my spring uh, water drain badges to do, uh, kind of walk around, look at sidewalks and see what's got kicked up from frost and, and just kind of do a survey of all the sidewalks in University Heights. So if anybody comes across a panel that maybe has got kicked up that you notice, like when you walk your dog or go for walks, you see something changing or moving, I'd sure appreciate an email or a call and, and I'll get over there and take a look at it and see if it's something we can grind down or if we're going to have to do a uh, kind of a replacement of a section of sidewalk or something. But yeah, uh, just, just get a hold of me if anybody, you know, is out and about notices something, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Any questions for Doug? Okay, thank you, Doug. We'll go back to um, the treasurer's report. Lori uh, sent the warrants list around. Um, our... Oh, hi, Lori. I hi. see you here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, are, are you saying something? No. Me? No. Yeah, okay. There was just a squeak or something. Maybe, uh, the warrants were... Maybe mute your microphone, Lori, with a little feedback or something, maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. Are there any additions or corrections to the warrants? Hearing none, the warrants will be paid by unanimous consent. Approved in a paid paid for by unanimous consent. Um, we'll go down to um, police chief report and committee report. I will, I will try to be brief for me. Uh, just real quickly, we continue to assist UI Athletics. I, this was actually invoiced before our last meeting, but I didn't put the amount on it. So we should be receiving $11,000 uh, to close out the year. That's in addition to everything they paid last year. And at the completion at the end of February, I will invoice for the last two months. But that is different than we've done prior to my, my arrival. Uh, it's showing as being paid somewhere probably in our payroll line, but we are recovering a, a big chunk of money from the university. Uh, item 2B, OUP, the Board of Directors, uh, at your direction, I sit on the Board of Directors uh, to represent University Heights. Uh, the, as I previously port, reported, uh, OUP has maintained and, and actually developed the North Prairie and the East Ravine 
since as part of the development agreement five years ago, the East Ravine now is deeded over to, and, and, and uh, Steve Ballard can correct me where I'm wrong, but is now deeded over to University Heights. And per the development agreement that I quoted, uh, University Heights now has the obligation to maintain it as a natural area. I had some communication with the mayor and with Steve Ballard about that. Uh, my understanding is that at a minimum, it is not developed by University Heights. And again, it's maintained in a natural state. The OUP North Board would very much like to see it to be continued to maintained uh, as they have maintained it. And you know, they have they have employed Impact 7G. Impact 7G is a environmentally based company, I believe, out of the North Liberty area, but they've come in, they've done native plantings, uh, they've tried to eliminate invasive species, they've tried to foster uh, healthy growth, and there's an expense to that. This year's uh, contract to do that specific to the East Ravine was $2,330. Uh, that was given to OUP North Board who passed it on to me because now that would be University Heights obligation. Uh, in discussion with Attorney Ballard, I don't believe, I mean, it's, I don't believe, I think that goes above and beyond what the city committed to do. OUP North Board, uh, as I expressed in my report, would very much like to see University Heights continue to maintain it in the fashion that they have uh, restored it and, and fostered it. Uh, the reasons they give is that, I mean, I'm sure there is a selfish aspect to it, but they also point out that uh, the city occupies the east end of OUP South and that that is what the community center and any, any guests or visitors to the community center see is the East Ravine, that it's also visible from the highest traffic intersection uh, in University Heights and that it will make an impression on guests and visitors, that it's basically an asset to the community that while they may be ahead of what University Heights is doing with Swisher Track, that rather than let this ravine fall back into a unkempt but natural state that then has to be uh, rehabilitated, if you will, uh, OUP North would like to see us, see University Heights, maintain it as they've maintained it and you know it wouldn't necessarily have to be through the company they've used impact 7g but that's just who they will continue to use for the north prairie so i'd like you if you haven't already had a chance and, and my report only went out earlier today but if you haven't already had a chance to review the impact 7g attachment and what that 2300 uh, would get you i i suggest that you do uh, I am just relaying of what uh, I'm not lobbying one way or another for it. That's up to the council. It's the council's prerogative, as Steve Ballard frequently says. But I want to make sure you understand that as a board, the board very much would like to see the city of University Heights continue to maintain it in its current state as opposed to allowing it to turn into a uh, natural overgrown ravine like any other of the many ravines in Johnson County. Uh, item number 2C, 
uh, Kevin Sanders, the president of the Iowa City chapter of the NAACP. This is a recurring issue on or a recurring item on my report uh, because we have frequent conversations. But just I want the I want the council to be aware that I am having a plaque made to present to Kevin from the police department. It will be a very simple plaque and it will be uh, it will lack my normal my normal uh, vocabulary. It will be much briefer. Because it has to be. <laughs> but that I am going to present it on behalf of the Iowa City Police Department. I'm also going to offer the other area law enforcement agencies a, a chance to be part of that too. But I personally and as the chief of police for University Heights very much very much appreciate our collaborative efforts and our dialogue and our trust. Uh, and while University Heights has been fortunate to date, there uh, it's not happenstance. That's in large part because of the relationship that Kevin and I have, and I rely on him for guidance and input. So I wanna make sure he knows that I appreciate him. On the last page, I'd like to point out just a couple items. Josiah has already given his report, but I would like to thank Josiah. He, he reached out to me. He was sensitive to law enforcement's concerns or law enforcement's uh, issues with particularly football game traffic along Melrose Avenue. And he wanted to make sure those were taken into consideration anyway, as much as they could be on the plan for the Melrose uh, rebuild. Uh, not just the plan, but also the timetable. So I just, I wanted to very much, I wanted to express my appreciation to Josiah. And then finally, I had met with Katie Herbold and I don't know if uh, Councillor Gahn will speak to this or not, but I had met with her. Katie is attempting to plan a community-wide event uh, tentatively to take place on June 25th, the last I spoke with her and hosted on OUP property. There are many, many things that need to be worked out yet. I don't know realistically if it can occur as quickly as she would like, but, but she is, is, is trying to make this happen, whether you know, she has a tentative date. I promised her that I offered her some advice. I pointed her in, in some directions or resources, but from a public safety standpoint, if it comes to pass, whether it's on June 25th or another date, the University Heights Police Department can can help make her can help her make this a safe community event. So, public safety and the I guess the the policing, the oversight of the event would not be a concern. We will make that work. So, those are the only things I'd like to point out. If there's any questions on that, please let me know. Thanks, Chief. All right. Is Danny moving stuff around at your house or is that something else? I'm sorry. Is she is. She just came home. She was not here when I started this meeting. <laughs> I she see. Just I just am like, I think a ladder's going up, but I'm yeah. not sure. I, <laughs> okay. I will, I will keep my microphone. Thank now. you. You're done. It's okay. It's okay. okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much. Uh, are there any questions for Troy? Uh, Steph, did you want to speak? Uh, I, I honestly don't have that much to add. Uh, just there, there are a lot of up in the air questions as far as this possible festival goes, whether it happens this summer or, you know, 
in the future. Um, we're looking at what it's all going to entail and and uh, how we're going to fund it and whatnot like that. So still looking into that. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. I'll go to, uh, we worked around here a little bit. Um, uh, we go to building zoning and sanitation. Tim, did you have a report? No report. Okay. Thank you. And we'll go to Lisa. Lisa, you are going to report on some dates we discussed that you're going to put on the website or you just recently did. I didn't get to look at the website yet. You're on mute. Brief vacuuming is on the website. Um, that's scheduled for the April 11th. It could take additional days, but everybody should have their leaves ready for pickup uh, that Monday morning. Uh, the other days that we have are cleanup day, April 23rd, the bike to work breakfast, May 18th, citywide garage sale, June 4th, and then the farmer's market will be coming back but we on Tuesdays, but we don't have a start date that I'm aware of. Right. So. We're still working on that. Thank you. Um, and, and everyone can check the uh, website for all the details of where these events are held and things, and we can talk more about them later too. Right, uh, when we have more details worked out, they'll be on the website. Right now, the only thing that's up is the leaf vacuuming. So I will be working on that. Great, thank you. Um, Let's see, so we can go to announcements. And Steph, I know you were working on the garage sale and so you're gonna promote that. You're on uh, mute, just, yeah. Yep, I, I just reiterate it's June 4th, Saturday. It's from eight to noon and um, we're gonna advertise for it and have signs up and whatnot. And all you have to do is open your garage and set up your yard and Participate. <laughs> great. You'll run ads and things. And Yes. Great. Thank you. And Mike for setting that up. Thank you. Um, okay. Other announcements. Um, the next special meeting is March 22nd at 7 p.m. And that's the public hearing for the budget. Um, any other announcements? I had one, not an announcement. I had a question I forgot to ask Josiah, if that's okay. Josiah, is there any, what, 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 what changed on the Finkbine uh, development? You sent out a drawing. If we talked about it tonight, I totally missed it. I'm sorry, but can you explain what's different about this drawing? If you're still there, Josiah, maybe, maybe he snuck out for a Sorry, no, I'm, I'm here. Oh, oh good. Um, Did you understand the question? What, what's changed on this updated drawing that you sent out tonight? Uh, let's see. So there's a drawing I see at the back of my report mm -hmm. uh, with the 
with the building location on the site. Is that the drawing you're talking about? Yes, the big, yep. I'm looking at the PDF. It's like yep. 14. Yeah, yep. Um, is there anything of note there? I just didn't know if there's anything major we need to be looking at or considering. I don't think there is in particular. I mean, I later, earlier today, I'm sorry, I followed up with everybody with three yeah. drawings, sort of the things I had in my files of the sketches or concepts of this site going back to two years ago. I think the only difference is from the initial drawings we saw two years ago or two and a half years ago, they had a, uh, a road coming out to Melrose, but it was like right up against the Burkdale Court properties, like right at the very east end of like where the parking lot is today. And uh, I think like a year year ago, that changed to look something a little bit more like you see today, where that road got pulled off uh, and pushed closer to their building and moved away from Burkdale. So I, I don't think there's too much of a change from what you saw a year ago or a year and a half ago, but this is just the latest version. So I wanted to send out, you know, what what is this building and where does it currently sitting on that site? Okay. I, I guess my only question is I'm just thinking through what you said. I'm, I'm sure people way smarter than I have been looking at this and the traffic and the layout and all that. Do you anticipate any traffic problems like with the commuter? Like, do you ever anticipate there being a stoplight necessary at that commuter intersect, the Emerald Street, Melrose Avenue intersection? I know that's probably Iowa City's deal, but we are adding, we are adding a, you know, a road onto our um, so, yeah. uh, side, of the, side of things. Well, I guess two questions there. The first one, yeah, Emerald, the Emerald and Melrose intersection is in Iowa City. Mm -hmm. um, you can see I've got highlighted in that orange line. That's sort of the, the new municipal boundary. So Emerald is in Iowa City. That's their intersection. Uh, they are, with this project, they're adding turn lanes uh, at Emerald right now. So today there's those grass medians on either side and they're gonna cut into those to add a, a left turn lane uh, if you wanna head down Emerald or a left turn lane if you're heading north on Finkbine Commuter Drive. Um, and, and in fact, they're adding a turn lane on the Commuter Drive side as well. So that that's as far as this project goes. But I, I do know talking to the Iowa City engineers, they are aware that this may need to become a uh, signalized intersection at some point in the future. Okay, very good. Okay, thank you. Uh, any other questions or announcements? Any objection to adjournment? Hearing none, the meeting's adjourned by unanimous consent. Thanks everyone for attending and we'll see you in uh, Mar at March 22nd.